When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name is Joey Weaver, joined tonight, as always, by world traveler Mike McDaniel. Mike, where are you going to be this weekend? Uh, at home, finally. Um, not on the road. I, you know, I wasn't even supposed to be on the road last weekend. I ended up just working out that way. That I ended up at Notre Dame's Cuse, as hopefully you all found out on the recap. If not, you've got to go back and listen to that. Uh, we released it earlier in the week, of course, and now we're trying our new thing. We're, we have part two, and it's the preview um, for this weekend's game. So I'm looking forward to breaking these down, Joey. Absolutely. Casual last-minute trips to New York are always good. We're, uh, we're joined tonight as well, once again, by Cam Underwood of StateoftheU.com, covering Miami for uh, SB Nation. Uh, we, we bring him in after a big win over my Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets last week and then a, a big matchup this weekend with Florida State. Cam's good to have you on. I, I still feel threatened by your presence. I think that you're, uh, you're gunning for my job here. You know, I try to do everything with a sense of excellence. So, you know, hopefully that comes across, but it's always good to be here, you know, just talking some ACC football with you guys. And, you know, yeah, I, I feel a little bad, not necessarily because I'm going for your job, because if I want your job, I'm going to take a job. But it's a uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> but I just I feel kind of bad because it's like, yeah, I know that you're the full time host of the show. And then it's like, yeah, we're going to bring in this guy who went to and writes about the school that just beat mine last week. So I feel kind of bad because like every time you say, oh, yeah, big win from Miami, I'm over here you know pumping my fist as i'm sure that you guys can see in the the skype chat we have going on i know that listeners can't see that but i'm like over here dancing and celebrating and everything and you're all somber so i feel a little bit bad for, well a little bit but not too bad but yeah i think it's gonna be fun I, i'd be lying if i said that i kind of didn't see this coming when uh when we we tried to plan on bringing you on last <laughs> week it was uh, i was like i know exactly how this is gonna go but uh, you, you can find Cam on, on Twitter at Underwood Sports. Uh, you can find myself at FTRS Joey, and he's at Mike McDaniel ACC. Together, we're at BC Podcast ACC, and you can also hit us up uh, if you want to send us an email, uh, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com, the longest email address known to man. Mike, look like you had something for that. Yeah, yeah, I nailed it. Sorry. Yeah, you, you nailed it. Um, I'm about to win my fantasy game. Sorry. Oh, oh, okay. That, that was what that was. Yeah, sorry. Mild fist pump there. I'm uh, now 3-1, and one, everybody, so in case everybody cared. I filed that under who gives a shit, probably. But yeah, anyway. <laughs> anyway, yeah. All right, cool. Moving on. Hey, that, that is only slightly more exciting than me getting the name of our email address right. So. <laughs> longest, yeah, so longest, longest, longest email in the history of mankind. You nailed it, buddy. Exactly, exactly. Hey, so uh, we, we talked about this. Uh, we... we we're doing it a little bit differently this week, breaking it up into two separate podcasts, trying to put it into a little more digestible chunks for you guys. So we had the uh, week five recap preview or uh, week five recap podcast that came out earlier this week. Now we're coming back to you ready to preview week six. Hopefully this is a better format for you guys. Let us know what your thoughts are. Again, hit us on Twitter or shoot us an email, do what you can. We also recommend that you subscribe on iTunes or on the Google play store. Uh, we can be found in either of those places. You can rate and review and, uh, and share with your friends and do all sorts of neat things like that. So uh, please do that. But for now, 
we got to get into week six where there is another really good slate of games. And Kim, your your Miami Hurricanes are headlining the thing. We'll start there. Eight o'clock on ABC, the the national headline game of the week. Miami number ten at home, a two point favorite against the number twenty three Florida State Seminoles, fresh off of their second loss of the season. This really kind of feels like a couple of programs that might be going in different directions right now. And uh, we'll start with you, Cam, saying that I, I think that this is a, this is a good spot for, for Miami to be in to kind of take take control and, and really assert their dominance on the national stage here. Yeah, this is a game where, you know, Miami, we've had 8 o'clock games against Florida State the last few years, you know, uh, <clears throat> You know, even through 2013 against Jameis, 2014, 2015, the last three years have all been 8 o'clock games. So the nation has been watching Miami play Florida State. You know, this is a a classic rivalry. Obviously, it's kind of been a microwave rivalry, you know, kind of, where Miami has only been good for the last, you know, 25, 30 years. But – and that was at a time when Florida State, you know, had all those runs of top five finishes. So, you know, this is this is a game that matters nationally. Obviously, there's a wealth of talent on both sidelines all across the field. You know, you have high school Americans, four and five star recruits. You have guys who played with and against each other in high school, you know, on, on both sides. So this is a game that always has some intrigue. And, you know, for Miami, <clears throat> this is really a chance to finally break through the vanguard, you know, of being close but no cigar. And last year I wrote, you know, after we lost to Florida State again by giving up a lead late in the fourth quarter, I said that that kind of performance is the best that we could expect from an Al Golden coached team where you can compete with but not win those kinds of games. Um, you know, and like the last – Brad High is both uh, years previous in, in college had the ball down three or four with a chance to, you know, make a, a – a memorable moment, you know, a legendary moment to go down and win and wasn't able to because, you know, once Florida State is able to pass rush and not even think about anything else, they're getting up the field. Our offensive line has been bad for years. So obviously, you know, he gets hit as he's throwing. He throws a late interception on like a kind of heave, ho, uh, you know, Hail Mary kind of thing, you know, and wasn't able to break through. But, yeah, this is a game where the the I don't know if, if it's as much as both programs are necessarily going in different directions. I mean, I think for this season – I think that could be true, but this is going to be a huge game, and this is going to be a statement game because, you know, people, the first two games when Miami scored the most points in two games that any Miami team has ever scored through two games, those games were on ESPN3, i.e. the website. You know, it wasn't on ESPN or even a U or a 2. It wasn't It wasn't locally broadcast on the ACC network, regional. It was not available on a television anywhere. So people are saying, yeah, you know, Miami, okay, they scored 70 points on FAMU. They scored 50-something or 40-something against FAU. And that's what they should be doing. But, you know, sight unseen, it's going to be hard for people who aren't here rooting for this team, following this team, watching this team, reading about this team on a daily basis to have any measure of faith that that's actual, that that's going to be uh, continued when you play a, a team of this caliber of a Florida State or anybody who's going to be good because, you know, uh, well, whatever, if people take offense to it. But none of the teams that that were played before our bye week, that would be FAU, Florida A&M, or Appalachian State, really have any business being on the field with Miami. And we did what we should have done by blowing all of those teams out. But now we're going to be nationally televised in, you know, on E, oh, sorry, on ABC, so that's free television, so even people without cable have the ability to watch that game. It's going to matter. 
it's, this is a huge this is a huge game this is a huge moment and you know I, I sent out an email to my guys from State of the U as we're writing about this week you know we have a story stream and I said we need to own this moment as a website because this is what we are here for we're all fans we're all most of us are alums this is what we were made for for the team it's the same thing they have to own this moment you can't let this moment go by and you know, previously, and I know that I'm, I'm going a little bit long-winded, but, you know, hey, this is my school, and I guess you guys who are listening just get to deal with this, but, um, <laughs> you know, Al Golden, when he was coach, he said, don't rise to the occasion, don't make any moment more special than another moment. I'm sorry, the Miami-Florida State game is a special moment. It is, it's a bigger moment than anything else that has happened, you know, and I know people are talking about previously, oh, don't look forward, don't look forward. We didn't look forward. And we, we did our job coming into this week. But now this is a moment. This is the mountaintop so far. And we have to treat this moment as such. And I'm not going to say that we need to overemphasize the moment and let the moment be too big for us. But we need to rise to this occasion. This is a special moment where we can have a special performance. And that's what needs to happen on Saturday night. Wow. Um, <laughs> that, was, yeah, I, that was a lot to digest here. I know. Um, I, I get going. I get going. I'm sorry. Oh, that's why we love you, Kim. You got uh, love that passion. Bring it. Um, so this this thing is not gone Miami's way a lot in recent years. Florida State's on a six game winning streak. Oh, don't uh, mind they me. Miami was uh, I guess zero and five in this game under Al Golden. Um, excuse me, zero and four, and then Larry Scott was the coach. No, 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 no. Al Golden. Al, oh, Al Golden was the coach for this last year. Okay, I was looking at Winsipedia and had this Larry Scott, but okay, fair enough. No, because he was the um, interim coach after, because he got fired for the Clemson game, which happened after Florida State. I, I got you, I got you. Um, that, that's absolutely true. Um, so this, but again, I mean, with what we've seen in recent weeks from Florida State, uh, getting the doors blown off by Louisville and then uh, really having to come back and then finding a way to lose against North Carolina last week, and then, meanwhile, Miami looking really good in the, in the early season. Brad Kaya looking good. Uh, the defense really kind of coming to play in, in all these situations. This, I mean, Miami only a two-point favorite at home. That kind of suggests that Vegas still thinks that Florida State's better on a, on a neutral field. Uh, but I, I, I really have to feel good about Miami's chances in this game, Mike. Uh, yeah, me too. And and I think the the one underlying storyline here to watch, and uh, obviously with the Hurricanes' improvement here this season, this hasn't really been issued to date. And you know, some of it can be based on who they play, or or this could be tangible, real improvement. And I, I'm in the camp of this is tangible, real improvement. And that's the offensive line for the Hurricanes, um, protecting Brad Kaya. They've been better. Um, obviously, the struggle there uh, has been apparent the last few years because, you know, Kai's been good when he's had time to throw, and when he hasn't had time to throw, he's been beaten up pretty good. And it, the whole issue here with, with the Hurricanes, you know, um, you know, defensively, they, they've had they've had some problems because the offense hadn't been able to stay on the field. But now the offensive line seems to be playing a little bit better. They're establishing the run. Um, and, and, you know, that in turn is giving Brad Kaya – um, time to throw and he's he's one of the better pocket passers in the country and you know there's no disputing that uh, you know so looking at the Hurricanes in this game they have to conti- continue to protect the quarterback and Florida State's obviously struggled on defense the last few weeks but you know they'll bring it I mean they're gonna they're gonna be bringing that pass rush against Brad Kaya and how is Miami's offensive line going to play and how are they going to be able to establish a run this game that's going to go a long way into determining whether or not Miami's going to win because look if the Hurricanes have time to throw and Kaya's back there and he has all day to read that defense and Florida State is trying to cover all of Miami's athletes that they have um, on offense, this is going to be a long game for the Seminoles because we saw how much 
Florida State struggled last week against a very good uh, passing offense in North Carolina, and who's to say that won't happen again with Brad Kaya and the Hurricanes? So, yeah, I'm I'm with you guys here. You know, these are two programs heading in completely different directions. I think Florida State's problems on defense are real; they're tangible. I don't think that this is something that can be fixed overnight. The Derwin James injury is huge, but Cam, you know, like you alluded to in the preview podcast, um, the issues at Florida State. Uh, much like Notre Dame as well, run far deeper than who the defensive coordinator is or, you know, one or two players on that side of the ball. Um, it's it's a unit issue. It's not necessarily one or two players and or coaches. Um, and I'm in that camp. Uh, you guys seem to be as well. And because of that, having Miami have this game at home is, is huge. It's extremely important. Um, you know, the home crowd for Miami in a rivalry game against Florida State. I mean, if you have to go on the road to Tallahassee, this becomes a much tougher game to play, in my opinion, even though I would still love Miami's chances to win. Um, so I'm taking the Hurricanes. Uh, Cam, you're taking the Hurricanes. Joey, right. Joey, I know. I, it sounds like you're taking the Hurricanes as well. Uh, I'm not shy about picking against Miami whenever I get the chance to do so, but that just doesn't feel like the right thing to do here. Uh, one of the things that I think that Cam, that you've pointed out a lot about this Miami team early in the year is that they've done a good job of running the football. And I think that that's something I'm really curious to see if they can keep doing is because the the week-to-week returns in running the ball have been diminishing. Um, every, every week there's been fewer yards, fewer yards per carry. Uh, most recently against Georgia Tech, it was only marginally over four yards per carry on, on, uh, on running the ball, only about 114 yards on the ground. That you know, then again, I think Georgia Tech's got a kind of an under, underrated run run defense. Um, but whether they can do that against this Florida State front that's had some problems, and whether Brad Kaya can keep throwing the ball against a secondary that's been flawed, I don't think Miami's going to have a whole lot of trouble in this game unless we start to see a really different Florida State team, which there's not really a whole lot of, of reason to think that, that we will. And so, uh, give me give me Miami to cover and, and win this game outright. Well, I guess you don't really win outright if you're a favorite. You just <laughs> You know, you just cover. Um, but, yeah, give me Miami. I think Miami can win this game pretty big, like 38-24 or something like that. I'm, I'm going to caution you against that because, you know, rivalry games are weird, you know. I mean, if you look at the last couple of years even, there's no reason that Miami really should have been within a touchdown to Florida State, but we were, you know. And, it, and I, I said this during the old Miss game. I said it during the Louisville game. I said it last week against North Carolina. If people are only going to look at the bad from Florida State, even if it was a full game like Louisville, do not expect that's what you're going to see against Miami. Because even when Miami was, you know, objectively bad under Al Golden, that's not the performance that you saw against Florida State. There's a pride there. There's just an effort there. It's just, it, there. It's it's different. And I won't believe it to be, you know, like a two-touchdown game, like you're saying, I'm not going to believe that until I see Miami actually do it because I don't think that even being as bad as they have been objectively on defense, I don't think that Florida State's going to let that happen. I don't think that it's – I just don't see that kind of a thing because I don't think that there there's a talent disparity like that. I think that Florida State still has more talent than Miami across the roster. I think that they've had – uh, some poor production and some poor coaching uh, to get them in some bad situations. But, the, I mean, this is going to be – I'm not going to 
well, I am, but it's going to be close, I think, to what we saw from Louisville Clemson. It might not be as legendary a game, but as that one was, because that was, you know, a top two or three game of this year, like I spoke about on the preview podcast previously. But this is going to be a dogfight. This is going to be a game. And, you know, because, again, this is not even just, okay, you know, Florida State's defensive end versus Miami's left tackle. This is... You know, a guy who went to Miami Central versus a guy who went to Miami Norland, and they played each other in their district for four years. They might have even played on the same Optimus team. You know, they are like Auntie TT, they know, like, you know, my aunt knows your aunt. Like, my cousin knows your cousin. Like, I've seen you when we went to the mall. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's so much more than just a football game, and this is why this game matters. So, I do, I'm obviously going to pick Miami, and I've said this before. I think that we can win. I think that we should win. I think that we have the better team right now and obviously the way that we're playing is better but I mean to to say that I would expect a two touchdown Miami victory that would be foolhardy last thing on this game is I I think there's a a bit of an interesting potential here that we're going to come out of this game feeling really good about one of two things and that's either DeAndre Francois or Miami's defense under Manny Diaz uh, which really I mean the, the type of test they got by Georgia Tech last weekend is not really anything like the kind of test they're going to get against units like Florida State. Mm-hmm. So I think this is the weekend where we either see DeAndre Francois maybe is, is better than we wanted to give him credit for the last couple of weeks, or Miami's defense with Manny Diaz and, and some of this new talent they brought in, especially in the front seven, is actually really legit. So really curious to see how that turns out. Mike, anything else on this game before we move on? Uh, you know, as, as far as the point spread, I mean, I like Miami to win. I think this is a game that they can win by 10. I wouldn't say it would be like a 14-point spread. Oof, um, but, yeah, I, I like the Hurricanes by 10 here, Cam. I've seen nothing uh, out of Florida State here the last couple of weeks, especially defensively, that um, would make me think that Miami can't win this game um, by more than seven. Um, I, I, get, I completely understand where you're coming from. Uh, from a rivalry game perspective, the fact that it's Miami, Florida State, doesn't matter what the records are, you're, you know your teams are going to get up for it, uh, so on and so forth. Um, I, I think Miami's the better team right now. Florida State's sputtering. That's a really tough loss when you have a, a kicker um, kick a career long to you know in, in Nick Weiler's case a, a career long field goal uh, to beat you and then come back the following week and have to go on the road to Miami and play in a rivalry game after after that kind of loss and I guess on one hand you can say hey they'll be motivated to prove that they're still a good team but on the other hand defensively I just I I don't see it and um, you know I I agree with you I think Florida State's got better athletes than Miami does and uh, you know at this point with with both teams having the athletes that they do I mean you know who's to say but um, I, I like the Hurricanes to win this game by 10, um, and that's completely contingent on offensive line play, and I expect them to play well. I mean, that's from your lips to God's ears for the both of you, please. You know, I would love, because I'm not going in the press box this week. I'm going as a fan with some of my friends. I'm going to be in the third row in the end zone. I'm going to be, you know, drunk and screaming and all those things, so I would love that. But, you know, Florida State still has Dalvin Cook, you know, and we haven't ever stopped him in his two previous games. So that's going to be a thing. Uh, it's going to be a majority Miami crowd, but, you know, Florida State is a large institution and they have a lot of fans down here as well. So it's going to be, you know, probably 60-40 or maybe 70-30 Miami fans to Florida State fans, but it's going to be a raucous environment. So, you know, I I don't know. I mean, I get that, you know, I have a different 
view perspective since I'm on the inside and, and than you guys. But, you know, like I said, from your lips to God's ears and a double-digit victory would do my heart some good, let me tell you. Well, I fully expect another really good showing in a primetime spot from the ACC this weekend from these two teams. There's another big game that's going to be played at 3.30 p.m. on ABC and or ESPN2. At the time of recording, we haven't really figured that out yet. But, Mike, your number 25 Virginia Tech Hokies are going on the road. the sound of that, Joey. (laughs) Yeah, you're you're ranked Virginia Tech Hokies uh, on the road at number 17, the North Carolina Tar Heels. North Carolina, two-and-a-half-point favorite here, coming off a big emotional win uh, over Florida State, obviously on the road. Virginia Tech, meanwhile, has looked better and better in every single game they've played so far this year. I, I'm really interested to see how this game goes. I think there is really some major shootout potential. Mike, can Virginia Tech beat North Carolina in this game and kind of change the balance of power in the Coastal a little bit? Uh, yeah. I mean, they, they can. I you know I don't want to sound like too big of a too big of a homer when I say that, that yes they can win this game. I, I think their play, especially over the last two weeks, has has kind of proved. Um, that offensively they've they've taken the the step necessary um, from last year the last four or five years really um, to this year where you know it's a, it's a typical Bud Foster defense and then an offense needs to have something to show for the defensive efforts that the Hokies have put forth and I think we're starting to see that uh, starting to see the offense come around um, with the play of Gerard Evans the JUCO transfer quarterback with. With the play, you know, with the running game that's starting to emerge here a little bit, and then the defense, you know, being healthy for the first time in what's what seems like two or three years, and having Brandon Faison in one corner, um, you know, being healthy, essentially shutting down a side of the field to this point, and you know, you know, I, I just think it's it's a well-rounded Virginia Tech team that's gaining a lot of confidence right now on one side, but on the other side, you have a North Carolina team that. You know, lost a game to Georgia that I think we can argue they shouldn't have lost, and we've made that argument before. And, you know, North Carolina has, you know, coming off of a huge win against Florida State, and they hung around long enough and played well for a long enough stretch there to win that game, and they ended up stealing one on the road, which is what good teams do. And there's no doubt that North Carolina is a good football team. Um, the the couple things to watch in this game. Number one, North Carolina's rushing defense is really poor, um, and Dalvin Cook showed that yesterday um, or, or Saturday in this in his performance. Um, so, you know what we've seen on North Carolina's rushing defense, they're still not there. Um, can Virginia Tech run on them? Yes, I, be, I believe they can. Virginia Tech's passing defense has been very good, but the best passing offense they've played so far is East Carolina's. And you, you can make an argument that East Carolina obviously doesn't have the athletes on offense that North Carolina has. Um, so this is the best passing offense, the best overall offense to date that Virginia Tech has played here in North Carolina. So um, having the game be on the road, all the weapons that Mitch Trubisky has at his disposal on offense – it's going to be difficult for the Hokies to win this football game, but I can envision a scenario where Bud Foster takes away takes away Ryan Switzer in the slot. They get enough pressure on Mitch Trubisky at the quarterback position, and you know I think this is another game where Elijah Hood, T.J. Logan, um, that duo of backs they have 
problems getting going for North Carolina because Virginia Tech has always been a team, on, you know, defensively that wants to stop the run first. I think if they do that in this game and, and find a way to neutralize Ryan Switzer in the slot, I think Virginia Tech has an excellent chance to win this football game. But, of course, that's easier uh, said than done. But these are two teams heading in a, in a great direction right now, and this is going to be one of the better games of the weekend, I believe, not only in the ACC, but I think in the entire country. Cam, I know that you like offense, uh, being a you know Miami guy, and you know being into a lot of the high school football that goes on down there. I mean, I, I'm guessing you'll be tailgating for for the Miami game if, if the plan is to to get uh, into the third row and be drunk. But um, I, I mean, while you're tailgating, I mean, I feel like this would be a pretty good game to watch if you're if you're looking for some fireworks. Yeah, well, you know, it's a uh, the the beautiful thing. Is, I'm sorry, I'm moving away from my microphone. Got to come back down. Um, the, the beautiful thing is it's not student section anymore. I actually have a, a legit ticket, so I don't have to necessarily get there super early to, to your big claim. Boy pants there, you man. know what I'm saying? You know, it's been more than a couple of years since I graduated now. So I uh, was able to do that for myself uh, with a couple of friends of mine. So, yeah, you know, uh, going to be there for that and everything. So I will definitely be at Hard Rock Stadium now uh, is the new name of that place. Dolphin Stadium, Sun Life, Land Shark, whatever you want to call it over there in Miami Gardens. Um, Almost as many names as Browns quarterbacks in the last several years. Hey, I mean, yeah, pretty much. But anyway, I will de- <laughs> definitely be in or, the in wait, the parking or, lot. Or Wake Forest quarterbacks. You know, I mean, we could. We well, could play there's this a lot of those too. Long. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But yeah, you know, I'll, I will be tailgating at this time. But I'll definitely be giving a lending an eye towards a, a TV screen in the back of somebody's truck to see what's going on with this one because you know this is a, a ACC Coastal game between two ranked teams. Obviously, Virginia Tech. Uh, Mike, you're welcome. Uh, Thanks, Welcome buddy. back uh, for that. So, you know, Virginia Tech and North Carolina. So, uh, you know, obviously saw North Carolina beat Florida State last week, even though I almost kind of wanted Florida State to win so that North Carolina would have a conference loss already. Um, and then we could, you know, really put the hammer to Florida State. But we still have the ability to do that with beating them. But, yeah, this is a game that's going to have, you know, okay, I won't say my undivided attention, but maybe like a third of my attention while I'm tailgating. Um, definitely going to be interesting. I know that Virginia Tech has been playing well recently. Um, I know that obviously North Carolina, they have spurtability, you know, and people talk about that in basketball. I know that I've brought that up on the basketball conference ACC football podcast recently. But, you know, if they get a stop or a turnover, like they can be explosive. And, you know, you saw that against Florida State. They got out real quick, boom, boom, boom. And then, you know, they kind of struggled. So, you know, and then I think, with uh, Gerard Evans, Virginia Tech has a little bit of that spurtability also and ability to hit home runs, you know, big plays, that 88-yard touchdown run he had. You know, things like that can happen. So, you know, this is going to be an interesting game between two teams that, you know, if they're going to make – and, I mean, everybody right now uh, in the Coastal, I mean, I know that it's been the goal, the dream of, of riders to have everybody be 4-4 four and four in the ACC, everybody from the Coastal, you know. Um, but, you know, now, and we're ta- we've talked previously about how the fact that the ACC football has stepped up a level, you know, to be at that top level in contention for the ACC championship game on the coastal side, that means one of these teams is going to have to win. Um, and it's going to be a really, really, really tough game, uh, I think, for both of them. It's going to be an interesting game. So I know North Carolina is favored uh, by two and a half at home, but I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting. I think there's going to be a lot of points in this game, and it could even come down to who has the ball last, kind of like uh, Florida State and North Carolina did, uh, will determine the victor or have a play like a you know 54-yard field goal or something to determine the victor. But, yeah, this is going to be a very, very interesting game no matter you know where you're going to be. I feel like there's two big differences between these two teams uh, coming into this game. First of all being 
Virginia Tech's defense led by Bud Foster versus North Carolina's defense led by Gene Chizik. Uh, one of those is actually a very legitimately good and, and dangerous unit. The other one is like kind of just like trying to get in the way for a little bit before the team scores. Um, let's just say that Virginia Tech is the first one. Um, <laughs> so Virginia Tech's defense, I think, is a, is a difference maker in this game. If they can get a few stops against North Carolina – that's huge uh, because I, I don't know how much North Carolina's defense is going to be able to stop Gerard Evans and, and, and the, the slew of weapons that Virginia Tech has on offense. But here's the other thing that kind of confuses me is as we look at the, the point spread and North Carolina, a two-and-a-half-point home favor, that basically tells you that on a neutral field, Vegas thinks that Virginia Tech is about a half point better than North Carolina. The part that spooks me about that is that we haven't really seen Virginia Tech do anything that really warrants that against – like some sort of comparable competition level. The only game that they've played so far against a, a comparable level of competition was against Tennessee at Bristol. And that was a game that totally just got out of hand when Virginia Tech started fumbling the ball. Um, and, and don't know that the final score of 45-24 there was really indicative of like the difference in those two teams. So like I, I think we're still trying to figure out exactly what Virginia Tech is. I mean, obviously it looked great when they came back a week later and blanked Boston College 49 nothing. Um, but I, I, I kind of want to pick Virginia Tech in this game to win outright, to cover two and a half and win outright, and I don't know how great I feel about that because uh, I, I do feel like this may be a bit of a toss-up game, um, but ultimately I do think that Bud Foster's defense for Virginia Tech kind of makes the difference in this game. Cam, tell me why I'm wrong. I don't necessarily think that you are wrong, um, but uh, I mean, I just – I don't know. I don't know. I, I, and I, I get that this is going to be really uh, hypocritical of me being a fan of a team with a new coach and, and things like that. But I'm just not sold on Virginia Tech with Fuente um, there um, to go on the road and, and get this victory. I think it's going to be a very close game. I think that's, you know, the line and the things you were talking about, the comparable level of talent and whatnot. But, you know, it, for me, it's kind of like a, I just uh, I, I don't have faith without sight. So uh, I'm going to I'm going to pick North Carolina, but I completely and totally see where you and Mike are coming from, saying that because of the reasons you've already listed, that Virginia Tech will be victorious. Mike, you're taking the Hokies, right? I'm taking yeah, I'm taking the Hokies. I, I think the difference in this game is the defense of Virginia Tech. I think they're for real. Um, I think North Carolina will get theirs. Um, don't, don't get me wrong. This isn't going to be a game where, where Tech blanks North Carolina or anything like that. I mean, I think the Tar Heels will definitely put up some points. Um, and, and I'm not saying Virginia Tech will necessarily play their, their best game defensively from a yardage allowed standpoint. I mean, I think North Carolina is going to it's going to put together enough plays offensively um, to go up and down the field on the Hokies and move the ball. But I think the difference is it's going to be bend but don't break in this game. I think that's the key. I think if Virginia Tech holds North Carolina to field goals instead of touchdowns, um, they win this football game because I think the Hokies have enough going on both on the ground and through the air that they can score on North Carolina's defense. The whole key is going to be whether or not Tech can get stops against North Carolina. I think if they hold the Tar Heels to field goals instead of touchdowns, they're going to have a great chance to win on the road at North Carolina. Environment that that look. I mean, I mean, you can you can say it's a road game, and you know that can make a difference, I guess. But North Carolina's home crowd isn't really all that imposing. Um, not not to you know take jabs at them for. I mean, they have a really good football program, but the the fan the the environment there, 
um, if you're a road team going in there isn't all that imposing. So I, I don't think Virginia Tech necessarily has a ton of problems there other than they're, they're playing a game a couple hours from home. So, yeah, I'm, t- I'm taking the Hokies, but I can definitely see this going, going either way. Um, I, I just think Virginia Tech will get enough stops defensively to get the win. Yeah, I, I'm with you, Mike. I think this is a high-scoring game, but you know Virginia Tech comes up with one last stop. Uh, give me the Hokies, like, 42-38, something really high-scoring and close. Uh, so another exciting one there for your mid-afternoon watching pleasure. Talking about games that might be a little painful to watch, uh, on the other hand, uh, <laughs> 12.30 p.m. on the ACC Network Extra and watch ESPN, Georgia Tech on the road at Pittsburgh. Uh, the Panthers an eight-point favorite in this game. Both teams, uh, in certain ways, kind of feel like they've maybe underperformed a little bit. And and I'll say this is that you know Georgia Tech at three and two is pretty much where most people had them nailed at you know after after five games this year. And yet it still has been a little unsatisfying, you know, watching the offense struggle to get in in into rhythm and in, into uh, you know in line with what they should be. Meanwhile, Pittsburgh has had the chance to win every single game so far. Uh, they found a way to lose two of them and, and almost lost a third to Penn State uh, with some major problems on the back end of their defense, as we've so so thoroughly covered here on this podcast. Um, what's what's interesting to me is that that that's kind of the the weakness of Pittsburgh's defense so far is what we've seen is in the secondary. And now they're going to take on a Georgia Tech offense that has really shown no capacity for attacking anybody's secondary this year. And so my question in looking at this game is how on earth Georgia Tech is going to find a way to to exploit that, knowing that Pittsburgh's run defense and front seven in particular have both been, you know, pretty good this year. So uh, I'm struggling with what to like about Georgia Tech in this game, but I do feel like Pittsburgh is kind of vulnerable and, and beatable uh, if if you kind of stick with it for a little while, um, Mike, am I am I looking at this through gold colored glasses, thinking that Georgia Tech can go on the road and get a win in this game? No, I mean no, not necessarily. But I think the path you laid out there, as far as a, a path to victory, when you think about it, for Georgia Tech, uh, seems tough because because the weakness of Pittsburgh is in the in the secondary, which. You know the weakness of Georgia Tech's offense is in the passing game and and protecting the quarterback and so those kind of cancel each other out in theory and and now you're looking at a, a front seven of Pittsburgh that's been relatively solid especially against the run and a Georgia Tech offense that loves to run the football so now all of a sudden what's the path to victory for Georgia Tech other than turning over turning over Nate Peterman um, or, or turning over James Conner um, forcing Conner to fumble or um, Allison or Henderson or whoever Pittsburgh decides to give the ball to. Um, and, and I think that's the one thing to watch in this game is, you know, Georgia Tech's got to scrape together enough points to keep up with a pit offense that's been pretty explosive. Now, with all that being said, Georgia Tech's defense did a pretty nice job, not only against against Miami, but against Clemson two weeks ago. And, and I know the final scores may have indicated otherwise, but when you take into account the two touchdowns Miami scored defensively and the fact that Georgia Tech's offense wasn't on the field at all, it's like the great contrast between the two weeks, uh, you know, Georgia Tech wasn't on the field at all against Clemson um, offensively, and the defense ended up just breaking down over a four-quarter game, but I really love 
Georgia Tech's defense and the way they're playing right now, I think they can get stops against Pittsburgh. It's just whether or not they can they can score enough to beat Pitt. And I and I think that's going to ultimately be the difference in this game. It's why I'm picking Pittsburgh to win. I'm not comfortable saying that the Panthers will cover eight points. I I, I don't think that this is a game in which they'll they'll completely run away with the thing. I mean, I think Georgia Tech's defense, they have enough pride on that side of the football, and I think they'll have enough stops to make it interesting. And, and I do think Georgia Tech's offense will find a way to score in this one. Um, but but I do like Pittsburgh because of their offense and the way and the way they're playing overall to be a little bit too much for Georgia Tech in this one. But um, this is another game that has that has the potential to be to be very good and kind of fly under the radar a little bit. Yeah, really curious to see schematically how Ted Roof and his defense attack Pittsburgh's offense, um, which is very unique in the way that a lot of things are set up and, and the way that they operate. Cam is an opposing fan who just watched Georgia Tech's offense. Uh, does, and, and not only that, but watch Georgia Tech's offense against what certainly appears to be a very good Miami defense, uh, top five in the country in yards per play against. Do you think that this is an offense that can really threaten Pittsburgh, or is this just not the right matchup for, for Georgia Tech? I mean, I think the offense can threaten Pitt, Pittsburgh. I mean, you guys did go down the field three times against Miami for all your touchdowns. It wasn't like a short field turnover. Like, you drove the ball. So I think that is possible. You know, Justin Thomas hit early throws against Miami, um, you know, and then obviously you had a huge holding call that negated what would have been his ninth straight uh, completion to start the game. Um, I think that was, you know, like in the third quarter or something. But still, you know, like, so he, he hit some throws. So I think that, you know, a little bit of what you did against Miami can be successful against Pittsburgh. And that is, you know, really trying to attack some of the edges of the defense for Pittsburgh. You know, some of those uh, speed options and kind of toss the crack lead plays to the edges uh, to try to get some some speed or, you know, number advantage there. That can be a thing, you know. And then, obviously, hopefully, if, if Georgia Tech can run with the B-back dive up the middle some, then that opens, I think, even more in the play-action game because there's only so much you can do play-actioning off of a, a pitch play, a toss play. But if you're, you know, play-actioning off of a dive play, you know, that can really open things up. So it's kind of contingent on, you know, really, you know, I, I think attacking the flanks is something that can be good again. You know, you get the B-back integrated, you can hit some passes, and you guys, you know, do have, you know, some receivers with some talent and physica physical ability. So, you know, I think that that can be a thing. Um, but I also think that that's going to be predicated on the Georgia Tech defense giving the offense shorter fields. If you if you had to go 80, 75 yards every single time, I don't think that that can necessarily be the, the way that, Georgia Tech, even though that will give you a huge time of possession advantage, which again, you had a huge one, two to one almost against Miami, 40 minutes to 20 minutes or just six seconds shy of that. But, you know, yeah, if you can get a couple short fields, like Mike said, you're going to have to turn them over. I think it is possible, but I don't necessarily think that it is probable. Um, so for me, I'm also going to take Pittsburgh, but uh, that eight kind of shies me away. So I'm thinking, you know, something in the 31 to 28 kind of range like you know maybe like a, a field goal well the thing that you're pointing out about Georgia Tech needing to take advantage of a short field wherever they can get it um, obviously they have done well on several occasions over the last you know pretty much the entire year except for the Clemson game and maybe even the Boston College game but you know Georgia Tech can, can drive the ball down the field and sustain drives and and, and finish them and get first downs and convert third downs and all this. But 
the problem is that they've also shown this ability to uh, to self-destruct at times. And the more plays that you run on offense, the more chances there are to self-destruct. And that's what worries me in that I, I worry that they're not going to be able to to hit big plays that really uh, uh, enable them to to sustain those drives and, and finish them with, with touchdowns instead of field goals. What I, what I do go back to is I look at Pittsburgh's defense last year, which is pretty good, and Georgia Tech's offense, which was kind of a disaster for a lot of the year. And the Yellow Jackets were able to move the ball in that game as well. Um, and so even against a good Pat Narduzzi defense, I think that it's still very possible that Georgia Tech can move the ball. Um, I, I, I don't know. I'm going to go homer pick. I'm going to take Georgia Tech to win this game outright. I don't feel good about it. I, I'm Like we said, I, I'm going to regret this. But uh, ultimately, I Whatever. Whatever, I'm taking them. Tech wins, we'll say 27-24. Entirely possible, but you know, definitely understand the homer pick. I was going to say fair enough. That's cool with me. <laughs> whatever, whatever you want to do, Joe. It's your podcast too, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, not for long if we keep Cam around. Um, yeah. All right, move on. We got a kind of a, a a little bit of a thin slate this week, and only seven games involving ACC teams. Uh, we'll move on to game number four here, kind of quickly. Number three, Clemson, 17-point favorite on the road at Boston College. This is a weird game, 7.30 p.m. on Friday on ESPN. Um, this is a huge letdown spot for Clemson. And while I don't think that Boston College is anywhere good enough to actually win this thing outright, uh, I could definitely see Boston College covering a, a pretty big spread, a 17-point spread, especially with as many problems as they can give very good offenses. Cam, what's your take here? Yeah, you know, I, I agree with that. I, When you said the time of the game being on a Friday, you know, I, I know you saw my head snap on the Skype chat. Like, wait, what? Like, it's a Friday night game? Like, I didn't know that these guys were still in high school, but okay, whatever. Um, <laughs> you know, go ACC. Right, go ACC. Um, yeah, so I, this, is a, this is a tricky one because, yeah, you just obviously had Clemson Louisville last week, so – uh, you know, that ends up being, you know, pretty much the biggest game of the year. I know Clemson and Florida State had to play later, but um, I think that the Louisville team has proven themselves to be a little bit better, you know, obviously, or 43 points better. So that's a huge game. And then you have, I mean, it went down to the end, you know, everything, like, you know, last possession, da da and then you go on the road on a short week. So you only get, what, three days of practice. You fly up on Thursday. You know, and then you're there for the Friday night game. This is going to be tricky, but I really think that I think that Clemson's going to win, and I think that they're going to cover. And I don't think it's going to come easily, but I think in that second half, when you're starting to see Boston College be on the field on defense more, and you're starting to you know maybe have that Clemson defense, which is really good, turn them over a couple of times, and you give Deshaun Watson and Mike Williams and Ray Ray McLeod and um, um, Artavis Scott and Deion Kane and the Legged Kid and the other, I mean, they have so many weapons and I think that's going to just kind of be a, a battle of attrition um, and they're just going to wear them down and eventually, you know, those, it's kind of like a boxing thing, you know, uh, when you have body blows in the first round, like, okay, you flinch a little bit, but, you know, body blows in the first round turn into knockdowns in the ninth round, turn into knockouts in the tenth round. You know, and I think that's what's going to happen. So they're going to they're going to hit them a little bit. You know, they're going to get their five six yards of play, and then that second half, they're really going to really open it up. And I think that they're going to win and they're going to cover. Yeah, yeah. Um, and to 
to kind of piggyback off that. I get this is a letdown spot. It's a Friday night game. It's it's hard to get up for a, for a game on a Friday if you're if you're Clemson and you're coming off of one of the one of the biggest wins in 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 recent memory. I mean, they had a great year last year, obviously, getting to a national championship and winning the games that they won, not only in the regular season but um, you know on into the conference championship game and then uh, of course in the semifinal, but. I love Clemson in this game to cover 17, um, and you should too. Um, and in in campaign in, in political campaign season, I'm going to bring a little bit of that here. Um, you should absolutely pick Clemson to cover in this game. Like if I had to put, I bet my house on it. I will. Um, Clemson's absolutely covering. Joey, mark it down. We're we're going to come back to this next week. I, I love the Tigers on a short week going on the road to Boston College. I'm not sure Boston College will score in this game and I'm not I'm <laughs> yeah. not sure yeah and and I'm not sure that yeah yeah I think Clemson's going to score at least two or three touchdowns by the end of the first quarter. This thing's going to be over in a hurry. I love the Tigers. I 40 to 40 to nothing. 45 to 3 if you want to give Boston College some points. Clemson is going to absolutely roll in this game. I have no reason to think otherwise. Mike, we do have the segment coming up, Picks of the Week, so we might uh, might need to revisit this game when we get there. Um, yeah, I, I'm with you guys. I, I don't, I'm don't. i not really worried about Clemson. I think that what we've seen from Deshaun Watson, especially the last couple of weeks against Georgia Tech and against Louisville, I think finally that Tigers offense is coming around, and I think that Boston College defense could maybe give them some problems, but certainly with as much as Virginia Tech was able to torch that secondary, I, I don't think that Clemson's going to have a problem with it. Uh, ultimately, if Clemson can score like 28 points in this game, they should pretty easily cover 17. I mean, that, that defense is salty enough, and Boston College's offense is bad enough that I, I don't know that Boston College is going to see double-digit points here. So um, I think I'm with you. Yeah, give me Clemson to cover. This should be a pretty easy win for them. Let's move on. we got three more here real quick. Uh, high noon on ABC. Notre Dame a one-point favorite on the road at NC State. Can Notre Dame keep building on what they started against Syracuse, and can that defense improve any, or is there potential that they are uh, they are victims of Carter Finley Stadium there in Raleigh with NC State? Mike, is this are you worried as a Notre Dame fan? Is this is this a concerning game to you? It's a concerning game, but uh, you know I, I'm not every sure. game is a concerning every game. game I guess. Yeah, I mean. Good Lord, you, you go up against, you know, you put Notre Dame's defense up against your local peewee team, you get concerned. Um, <laughs> I like Notre Dame. I, Notre, Dame <laughs> Notre Dame wins this game against NC State. I think they go on the road. I think, um, you know, with, with Notre Dame, offense has never been an issue. I don't, I don't think it'll be an issue in this game. NC State gives up a lot of points, and, um, you know, despite who they've been playing, the, this is a defense that, has played has played okay, but that once they start playing real ACC opponents, I think we're going to get a real taste of what and of of what the NC State defense is, and and playing a Notre Dame offense right now that has been firing on all cylinders here for for weeks, and and even though they got off to a slow start against Michigan State, obviously they came roaring back and, and ended up reaching you know the, the points and the yards and. The potential that we expected them to reach by the end of even even some of their losses this year, and you know I like Notre Dame to win this game because despite NC State's affinity to scoring points, I'm not sure they have enough offense to compete with 
with Notre Dame's offense. But with that being said, the Irish defense is so bad. I do see a scenario where NC State can win this game, but at, at Notre Dame minus one at this point in time, it's essentially a pick em, and I'm going to pick the Irish. Cam, you with him? Um, no, I'm not. And what what I am with <laughs> is uh, before we started recording, we, there was a, a, a fantastic joke that Joey made. Uh, but I think that that line about – uh, Notre Dame's defense going up against a Pee Wee uh, offense being uh, challenged was a close second for the line of the week. Uh, joke of the week, I should say. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't. I just, you know, sometimes I just think that uh, NC State, they do have a diverse offense. And I just, you know, North or sorry, Notre Dame, you know, this is a, a challenge for them that's a, a step up from a Syracuse. Uh, both in talent and in environment because, you know, obviously in a neutral field kind of thing, at the, you know, uh, down in, in New York is different than going, you know, on campus in Raleigh, which is, again, one of the tougher uh, home field advantages around. And, so, And, and Cam, real, real quick, not to yeah. interrupt you, and it was largely – it was a, it was technically – even though it was neutral side, it was technically a home game for Syracuse, but it was probably like 80 to 90% Notre Dame fans from oh, yeah. being in that stadium. Of course, because, I mean, Notre Dame fans, that's a, you know, private school with a huge alumni base and, you know, people who live in the New York area. So, uh, like, New York City area. So, yeah, that's going to be because people from Syracuse, New York are, well, I mean, you could take a trip to the weekend, I guess, or a trip to the city for the weekend. But you're going to have more Notre Dame fans there. So, yeah, you know, more of a, uh, well, this is definitely a true road game uh, right now. But, you know, I think that that's going to come in and be a factor. And, you know, I just, for me, it's just a gut feeling because, yeah, like Mike said, a one-point Notre Dame line right now is essentially a pick so it's not like I'm saying you know something outrageous I'm not saying that Boston College is both going to cover the 17 points and win outright against Clemson I'm not saying that but you know I just I'm feeling that you know you got a, a senior laden team over there uh you know Matt Days is a running back for North Carolina State who's pretty good Ryan Finley like we spoke about in the uh, last week's recap podcast, he's been, you know, balling recently, you know, uh, lots of yards and touchdowns. So I know that North Carolina State's defense isn't the greatest, but I think that they're going to do just enough, and I'll take the Wolf Pack this week. Yeah, I'm trying to decide who I like in this game. The, the, the stat that I find very interesting, I'm, and I just pulled this up, Notre Dame right now 97th nationally in yards per play allowed on defense. Would you believe me if I told you there were four ACC teams worse than that? Man. North Carolina, Virginia, Syracuse, and Florida State are all worse than that. Florida State is the fourth worst in the country in yards per play right now on defense. Can can you say that one again for me? Because my smile needs to hear that again. (laughs) There are three teams in the entire country worse than Florida State on defense right now in terms of yards per play. Yes, I love it. My smile, like, my smile needs to hear that again. I'm so like, it. like my heart was soaring with so much joy that I know that I didn't words correctly right then. But you got what I was saying. Oh, that was great! <laughs> I love it. Meanwhile, the 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 Wolfpack offense has been pretty good, uh, putting up six yards per play or better in all of their games so far. So, uh, yeah, I, I just don't know that I can have any faith in Notre Dame right now, especially in a, a road game like this in Raleigh. I think that this team is starting to implode a little bit. I think that they're maybe quitting on Brian Kelly. There's a chance of that. Uh, so for that reason, give me NC State to win this game. Um, and what I do expect will be something of a shootout as well, uh, something like 38-34. Okay, two more here. Uh, last one of just a pure conference game. Uh, Syracuse on the road at Wake Forest. 
the uh, the steam and deacons, as it were, for Mike. Uh, R.I.P. At this point. R.I.P. Uh, undefeated Wake Forest. Um, we hardly knew ye. Uh, two point favorite Demon Deacons uh, over Syracuse right now. Seven o'clock on the ACC Network Extra slash Watch ESPN. Mike, are your uh, are your Steaming Deacons getting back to their winning ways here, or is Syracuse going to be too much? I'm going with Syracuse. They have too much offense. Um, this is a game that, you know, if Wake Forest didn't just, you know, give up like 500 and whatever yards of offense against um, against NC State last week, I'd feel a little bit more confident in picking Wake Forest. But coming off of that performance, now you have to face Syracuse, um, who, you know, with, with a really solid passing attack and, and playmakers – all over the field. Um, I'm going to take Syracuse to go on the road and beat Wake Forest, but um, I'm still high on the Demon Deacons. I'm not quitting on them yet, but I I am quitting on them this week, if that makes sense. Anyway, um, yeah, so I'm taking the orange. Fair. Cam, you there? Yeah, I'm here. That was was funny, quitting on them this week. Uh, You know, yeah, um, I'm also going to go with Syracuse. I think that this is going to be one of the building blocks for Dino Babers um, for that offense. And the offense is what is going to turn that program around for them by using this Baylor spread system, throwing the ball all over the yard and, you know, kind of trying again to optimize their returns on their investment of talent, you know, or or their resources, I should say. So they're not going to have too many, you know, five-star guys, but they can have enough three-star guys in key positions that can out-athlete Wake Forest, even at a four-and-one. You know, looking for Wake Forest, I think, you know, they on their schedule, and I just pulled it up, they have three more what I think are winnable games. They got Army in a couple weeks, they got Virginia the week after that, and then they got the season finale against Boston College. And all three of those games are at home. And I think those are the games to which they should look for their two wins to get to bowl eligibility. Because the other games... You know, Florida State, Louisville, and Clemson outside of, you know, this week's game, they're not going to win those, and it's not even going to be close. So, you know, I think that Syracuse is going to do – well, not even do enough, but I think that they're going to be explosive on offense uh, and really kind of just dominate this game from front to back. Um, You know, but I think Wake Forest can definitely get to that six or seven win um, plateau to get to a bowl game, but one of those wins is not going to come this week. I'm with you. I think this is the kind of game that Dina Baber's offense should be able to really help out Syracuse with, where there's no real obvious talent advantage on either side. I just don't think Wake Forest can score with with Syracuse here. Obviously, the the, the Orange defense is not great, uh, but Wake Wake Forest's offense is not great either. And, and ultimately, I think that Dino Baber's that system is just going to create too many points for for Wake Forest. Give me Syracuse outright uh, in a in a I don't know maybe a a little bit of a shootouty kind of game, like a 31-21 kind of finish, something like that. Last game here, uh, Duke, a four-point home favorite against the Army Black Knights at 3.30 p.m. on the ACC Network Extra. Watch ESPN. Mike, you're shaking your head. You're like, why on earth is Duke favored here? I, I don't know. Uh, I think Army's better, honestly, after what I saw out of Duke against Virginia. I think Army's a better football team. I think Army wins the game. Um, I... I this is just – it's a game that – it's interesting, right, because Duke's going on the road, correct? Yes. So – uh, It's a home game oh, for Duke. It's a home game for Duke, okay. Mm-hmm. So so Duke's, at, so Duke's at home against Army. I don't think it really matters, honestly, um, whether they go on the road or, or play at home with that raucous home crowd there at Duke with, like, 12 people there. 
Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Army. I think I think they're better. They've played well by and large this year, and I don't really know what what Duke is. Um, that's that's kind of that's kind of the problem. Um, that they, they beat Notre Dame. I don't know that that means anything. Um, and then they lost by two touchdowns to Virginia, which. I, again, I, you know, I don't know what to make of that either. I don't know what Duke is. I'm more sure about what Army is, and because of that, I'm taking Army to win. Yeah, you're, you're spot on there that you figure both Duke fans will be pretty loud for this game. Oh, my uh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Dropping bombs over nice. here. All right. Uh, Cam, are you a betting man? I am. Are you are you looking for some uh, Army money line action in this game? I could potentially be, depending on what the line is. Well, I'm just, I'm just saying. I mean, is, if you're looking for some some uh, gambling action for the a few, like for this weekend, is this a game that you're looking at as what? like straight up upset figures? Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, <coughs> excuse me, sorry. Um, Army is a a team that's kind of reshaping their their program uh, right now, and I think that that's starting to pay off. Uh, P.S. By the way, shout out to my cousin Arthur Middlebrooks and his wife Tara Middlebrooks, both alums of the uh, West Point, the uh, Army uh, University there. So uh, you know, and thank you for your service. Arm for yep, services. Absolutely. So yeah, appreciate yep. them. Uh, you know, family members and everything. So I went to his graduation and got to meet President Obama some years ago. Uh, that he was up there in West Point and everything. So obviously, you know, a uh, personal connection there. But you know, uh, uh, outside of that, Army is running the ball a lot and really well. They lead the nation with 374. yards per game and 69 nice carries a game uh so you know 5.4 nice 5.43 yards per carry and they're just going to do those good figures those are really really (laughs) good figures and so you know you're talking about on a a yards per carry average they're elite if you're talking about carries per game i mean like look they're running almost 70 running plays a game you know so they're gonna do it and and they have what 30 yards more per game rushing than the next closest team so they're they're operating at a very high level and they're three and one right now um obviously you know going to this kind of flex bone option triple option attack is something that obviously georgia tech does at a a power five conference and they have had some very good success with that you know a recent acc championship uh or championship game appearance for them and then you know you see navy has made that the calling card of their program because you're not going to get again really top top tier athletes who are going to play football at navy obviously you're going to have good people and you know people who are in the armed services and whatnot but you're not going to have a five-star recruit you're not going to have a calvin ridley you're not going to have you know uh miles garrett who are going to go to army and play football there so you had to find out a way to make it work and that running game has really really been working so um i think it's a little bit for me obviously the amount that army is running the ball and the success with which they are running the ball and uh just exactly copying what mike said i don't know what duke is like they they're jekyll and hyde and it could be you know sunshine it's like i I live in florida right and i used to be a parks and rec counselor like you know i was summer camp counselor and there was one day i was working at my rec center and there's like you know it's in the uh, neighborhood so like there's homes across the street it was bright and sunshiny at the rec center 
and it was raining so hard on the side street on the other street that the kids who lived in those houses could not make it to the rec center because it was that different of sunshine and storm and i don't know between duke what if it's going to be in storm or it's going to be in sunshine on saturday but i know for a fact that our army is going to come in come in there they're going to they're not going to be intimidated they're going to run that ball and i don't think that duke is going to be able to stop it so give me the black knights and yes some money line action in case i wanted to bet for some other reason than entertainment only <laughs> yeah I, i'm with you guys i mean our army has been a one of the surprises in college football so far um duke i think has, has been a little less exciting than in, in previous years uh coming into this game at two and three with with a couple of you know kind of gnarly losses on the schedule especially last week against virginia you know that Army is going to be disciplined when they come in. They're going to play with a lot of a lot of discipline, and they're going to uh, not really make a whole lot of mistakes. I can't make that promise about Duke right now, especially a week after they threw five interceptions against uh, a very pedestrian Virginia defense. So I'm with you guys. Give me the Black Knights outright. Uh, I think that they can win this game, uh, something like 28-20, maybe. Give me give me Army. All right, last segment here. Since we are a, a little bit into gambling here on this this here podcast, uh, we've got our picks of the week segment. Um, last week, I just, I mean, I'm, I'm having trouble picking losers right now. Um, just you know, for what that's worth, uh, <laughs> I had Georgia Tech Miami over 49. What's interesting is I actually I looked at the line again like a day later, and it was at like 53 and a half. And so I was about to ask for like a judge's ruling on that, but they got to 56. So either way, it was fine. Um, Mike, you, you, I think we, we decided that you had Wake Forest plus 10 against NC State. I'm all about picking losers, so. (laughs) That, that did not hit. Uh, so I, I'm currently at five and oh on my picks of the year so, or picks of the week so far. Uh, Mike's at one and four. Cam, you, when you came on here a few weeks ago, you had Miami and FAU to go over 63. And yeah, that, that, that stopped at 48. So. Uh, Cam is 0-1 on the year. He knew it, too. I did. And, I mean, like as soon as like we hung up from that one, I was like, I'm basically projecting that Miami is going to score another 60 points like they did against Florida A&M. Just stupid. (laughs) I mean, you wouldn't have been surprised if they had, though. Well, not with the performance from the first week. But, you know, yeah, FAU is an actual living, breathing football team, unlike Florida A&M, which was just, you know, the band for halftime, which is, or, you know, and from the stands, which is amazing. And then, you know, <laughs> you know, 48 guys who had, I guess, you know, other orange and green clothes on or something. I don't know if those are actual football players or students or, you know, just some guys they got from around uh, Miami Gardens who just needed a quick $200. But, I mean, that wasn't going to oh be anything, <laughs> like, worthwhile. Hey, hey. Calling FAU a living, breathing football team is pretty high praise for what they usually get. So um, that was generous. Uh, Cam, you are you are the guest on the podcast, so we're going to let you go first. Oh. Mike, I think you went first last week, so yeah. I'll follow up yep, and then you'll go last. Yep. And a lot of times we talk about these picks beforehand and like what we're thinking, so that we make sure we're not overlapping. We have not in the least like planned this at all, so I have no idea where this is going to go. Although, Cam, I do have a little bit of an idea where I think you're going to go on this one. So I'll let you start, and we'll see if uh, we'll see if that matches my expectation. I know exactly what you're expecting, and you know what? Sometimes I like to be different and, like, you know, kind of flip the script on people. But this is not going to be one of those times. I am a Hurricane alum. 
I have been living in South Florida ever since I moved down here to go to college at the U. I bleed orange and green. Like I said, I'm wearing an orange and green t-shirt right now. I it, this is this is it. This is the year. This is the time. I am tired of all of the people that I know who went to or root for Florida State talking their crap because I know it's been six long years and thousands of days that I've had to endure this. And Mark Richt is finally going to alleviate me of this burden that I have been dealing with. It is going to be on Saturday night, it's going to happen at about 11.30 at the end of the ball game. It's going to be the Miami Hurricanes covering minus two to win this game. And just, it's, yes, Miami minus two, pick of the week, lock it up, count it, let's go. Yeah, I had a feeling. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Wild guess, right? Yeah, yeah, just had a hunch. Um all right, so there, there are two games that I kind of like this week, and I have a feeling that I'm going to pick one, and I have a feeling that Mike's going to pick the other. Yeah. Um, ultimately, so I'm looking at this Syracuse plus two at Wake Forest, and here's the thing that I think is interesting is that Syracuse at two and three, look at those three losses, two of them to Louisville and Notre Dame. Louisville, obviously the national buzzsaw, and Notre Dame with a huge talent advantage. Their other loss was to South Florida, who is a sneaky, really, really good football team this year that a lot of people don't really realize. So, I mean, in, in all of those games, Syracuse hasn't had any problems on offense. I mean, they've, they've scored uh, 33, 28, 20, 31, and 33 so far this year, and that's just numbers that I don't think that Wake Forest can match up with, even with a, a pretty good defense supporting them. So, uh, give me Syracuse plus two at Wake Forest. I, I think the Orange are going to get a, uh, another conference win here. Uh, so uh, give me give me the orange, Mike. Yeah, and I'll t- I'll take I'll take the other game. Clemson minus seventeen against BC. Is that the one you were looking at? I hope it was. Well, yeah, sure. Uh, Clemson minus seventeen was not actually. I was thinking Army plus four at Duke. Yeah, but... I have nothing. Yeah, see, I I figured it was one or the other. And with Army and Duke, <laughs> I don't know. I, I I'm staying away from that. Um, probably fair. Yeah. Uh, Clemson minus 17. The only rationale is that they'll have a letdown on a short week. I don't think that that happens. They're too good on both sides of the ball. I don't see a game like they had against Troy happening again. And, you know, Boston College is – are they better than Troy? I mean, I don't, I don't – I mean, that's up for debate. We can have that debate another time. Um, but Clemson isn't favored by, like, 40 points or whatever it was like they were against Troy. So I'll take Clemson to cover 17 on the road at B.C., they're better on offense. They're better on defense, um, and I think they win and cover, of course. Careful with the uh, the letdown spot. Careful with the potential backdoor cover there if Clemson starts resting people. But uh, ultimately, I think I think all three three of these are really good picks. I, I like I like both of yours as well as, as mine. So um, let's hope for a three and a weekend for the uh, the old podcast here. Uh, although statistics say that. Uh, maybe that's not as likely given our track record. It's going to happen. You know, Appreciate that, Joey. It's going to happen. Time will tell. Hey, hey, just saying. Look, <laughs> um, I, honestly, as long as it's one of you guys who loses your pick, then I'm fine. So it's fine. It's, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, it would be a shame if you lost your Don't. Don't. <laughs> don't. Don't. Oh, do man, it. I love it. That bailed, that bailed hey, but, but, but you know what? A one-point victory is still me losing my bet, and I'm fine with that. Hey, you take that every day of the exactly. week. Exactly. Or specifically on Saturday. Man, all right. Well, guys, this has been a great time. Um, we've obviously a good a good week six here coming up. Uh, a lot of really interesting matchups. Only seven games overall, but a lot of really good 
kind of matchups between talent and scheme and all this. So uh, some good ACC football coming your way. But uh, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you again so much to to Cam Underwood for joining us for last you know the the recap of last week and the preview of this week. Uh, Cam, we, we we look forward to having you on again soon. Yeah, man, this is always a lot of fun. So a lot of jokes. Uh, I don't know if we can do a GoFundMe to get Mike McDaniel a new computer or something, <laughs> but uh, that would be maybe something we could look into. But oh, and if man. there's any way I can help with that, let me know. But yeah, it's always fun with you guys. Appreciate it. We'll keep you updated. Give us some updates from uh, Hard Rock Stadium. It sounds like it should be a pretty fun environment this weekend. Uh, Mike, enjoy enjoy the couch and enjoy staying home and and kind of getting a little bit of R&R in after a couple of long weekends. Yeah, uh, it should be good. I mean, by the time that Miami-Florida State game ends on Saturday night, this podcast should release because it'll finally be done exporting from Audacity. (laughs) So we'll be in good shape on that front. So you guys will be getting this podcast a little late, but I hope you enjoy it. Are you sure you're not just, like, entering the punch cards in the wrong order? Or, like, is there... Oh, my God. Punch card computers. Wow. Yeah, that's... (laughs) That's... Yeah. (laughs) Oh... Yeah. I didn't um, know that you had a 1973 mainframe as your main computer there, Mike. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was going to say, Joey, I got good news. I'm exporting this to a floppy disk. I'll make sure to mail it first class to you tomorrow. So we'll be all set to release this hopefully hey, Wednesday or Thursday. You know what? Now if we can just get you upgraded to the 3.5-inch floppy from, like, the big disk one, then, you know, that'll be a, a, step, a positive step. Yeah, a little MS-DOS action going on. You know? <laughs> Go away. Throw it. Throw it away, oh, man. man. <laughs> I'm not editing any of this out, by the way. Oh, man. Nice. Good. I, I, hope, I, I hope not. Cause... This is going to be the part of the podcast that people come back for. Just mark my words. Oh, I hope so. All right, guys. Fun as always. Uh, should be a fun weekend of ACC football. We'll, we'll be back again next week. Uh, Mike and I will be to, to kind of recap how everything goes and uh, preview the following week. Uh, until then, you can reach us on Twitter at BC Podcast ACC. You can hit me at FTRS Joey. He's at Mike McDaniel ACC. And of course, Cam is at Underwood Sports on Twitter. And you can find him at stateoftheu.com covering Miami. Uh, and thanks again for to him for joining us here in these last couple episodes. But uh, until next week, when we uh, talk about some sweet week six and week seven action uh, for Mike McDaniel and Cam Underwood, I'm Joey Weaver. Go ACC.